testimonies uh, this morning had a marriage seminar in Jacksonville, uh, North Carolina. George and Michelle is going to come. Let's give them a hand as they come this morning. There's no book. <laughs> Make it short. All right, I'm going to read all the pages in here. You ready? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know if y'all know much about me and Michelle. We haven't really been kid-free for a night and a day since we got married. <laughs> um, well, actually, our honeymoon, but it was like right after. So, uh, so for the first time, it was kind of like a date weekend, and... Um, we went and we were, I was kind of nervous, like, oh man, maybe we lost the connection. You know, maybe we don't know each other quite as well as we used to. And it's going to be awkward. And uh, we started doing, you know, the first seminar and he's like, you know, we called the couples up to pray and we started praying and we kind of like fumble over each other. And we're like trying, cause you know, we've been trying to build a prayer relationship together, you know, bringing us closer to God. And, and, um, uh, so this that that night we just God put it on us to talk about it and communicate, which is something that we always struggle with, you know. Um, so we did, and the next night we were praying, and you could just feel the you could feel the Holy Spirit over us as we're both praying at the same time, but not stumbling over each other. And uh, that really said something to me, and it was like, man, you know. That, that prayer isn't something that we need to be struggling over. It's something that we need more of, not, not you know, to stumble. So um, I'd actually written a testimony this morning, but I left it at home. So I like the, the demonstration that the pastor had used was, you know, the triangle. I'm sure some of you all have heard it. The triangle with God at the top and the husband on one side and the wife on the other. But the triangle is split. And uh, we were trying to do it like this for so long, and having Christ in it now, now we're starting to form the triangle. So praise God! It was it was an awesome weekend. Had a lot of fun on the drive. So. Here you go. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Michelle. Um, we had a really good time. Um, um, you know. We had um, uh, a lot of good things to say, um, you know, especially about, um, you know, speaking things, you know, um, if you speak negative things, um, you know, it kind of puts that in your head, um, you know, so, you know, if you're thinking negatively about, you know, stuff with your, your spouse and, um, you know, it starts to become your truth about them, so, you know, kind words and encouragement, um, you know, and that's, that's a good reminder. So, Amen. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Hallelujah. We appreciate that. Amen. If you got your Bibles, we're in Acts 16. How many came to hear from God? Amen. Uh, amen. I feel I have the mind of God 100%. So, Acts 16. You know, Winston Churchill, probably the greatest leader Europe has ever had. He speaks to Europe at a critical time during World War II. He speaks these words. He said, we will not fail. We shall, not, we shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on seas and oceans. We shall f 
fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, wherever, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight in the land, on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Victory at all costs, victory in spite of all terror. A victor, however long the road and how hardened the road may be, for without victory there shall be no survival or no Europe. Amen. So I thought about that. It's kind of the theme of how I want to preach this this morning because in our text, uh, this kind of the mindset of Paul and Silas as they, they're in a dire situation. Let's read it together. We'll start at verse 16. So now it happened as we went to prayer. Somebody say prayer. Somebody say, I'm going to pray. That was weak. I'm going to pray. So let's start from the beginning. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed the spirit of divination met us who brought her master much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, uh, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour, verse 19. But when her master saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, uh, being Jews, they suddenly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Uh, then a multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Uh, and verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them uh, into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them secure. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison was shaken, Immediately the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word Lord to him, and all that were in his house. In verse 33, And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and, his, all, he and all his family were baptized. Now when they brought them into his house he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you this morning, God, to move, to break every chain. God, break every bondage. I break its power of hell. I cast down every demonic stronghold, every attitude uh, 
that is not right this morning. I break its power, God. Uh, help us to live in victories, Christians, in Jesus' name. Amen. Title this sermon, No, or, or Battle Your Way to Victory. Battle Your Way to Victory. So, firstly, the battlefield. One, uh, prayer is a battlefield. Look at our text. Now, it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. So the devil, the demonic, always tries to invade our prayers. Uh, the devil's always showing up when we pray. Let me give you some proof here. How many times have you been praying for your marriage, and all of a sudden, uh, all the bad here she's has come up? You're praying, God, help her. God, bless her. Give her your mind. Uh, and all the bad she's ever done comes up in a moment's time. You're praying for a brother or sister in the church. And all of a sudden, every word of offense, every time they looked at you wrong, all of a sudden comes to your mind. Uh, uh, amen. So you're praying for a pure mind. All of a sudden, this nasty stuff comes up. You're praying, God, give me peace. Uh, all of a sudden, you get angry. So the devil's always present when we're praying. He's trying to invade our prayer life and our text. Paul says a certain slave girl possessed a spirit of divination met us. It's interesting, he met him in the prayer room. He didn't meet him, uh, uh, you know, outside at the restaurant. He met him in the prayer room. So there's, uh, there's, uh, uh, they're in prayer and the spirit of divination met them. Divination is, uh, it means they, uh, is fortune telling or telling people their future. So demon spirits are tailor made for every battle. So it wasn't a spirit of lust that met him. It wasn't a spirit of, of control or rebellion, but it's a spirit of divination. Uh, this tells us that it's tailor-made. Uh, that moment, that's still true today. They're preaching, uh, telling people what God can do in their life, how they can be forgiven, how they can be set free, what God can do in their life in the future. Uh, uh, God can uh, you know, do a miracle, say, and all the, and the spirit of divination is there. Said that the girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. You know what happens is the devil, the demonic, is trying to steal the glory from God here. Paul and Silas is preaching, people are getting saved, no doubt. Uh, people are getting changed by the power of God, and the devil is there trying to steal the glory. And here's the truth about the devil. Uh, the devil, the demonic, is so prideful, he will let people get saved as long as he gets the glory. Now, that's twisted, but he's twisted. You know, as long as that girl can follow him or follow them around uh, and say, hey, there's servants, uh, I'm getting the glory. Get, get all you want saved because I'm getting the glory. That's how twisted the devil is. But listen, there's a demonic uh, at work here. Two... Prayer is a place of confronting the demonic. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Uh, so Paul, the Bible said, got annoyed. Uh, this word means angry, irritated, aggravated, or vexed. Uh, this lady's following him around for many days, the Bible finally gets vexed. Uh, and I said, come out of her, uh, and so in prayer, we have to confront the demonic. In prayer, we do front the demonic. You know, things are never fixed in a bad marriage, 
a bad friendship, a tormented mind, an unclean life, until you get annoyed. When you finally get vexed, I've had enough, uh, I'm not going, and God loves it when we get to that place where we're vexed. Uh, God, how long am I going to be like this? We get vexed. Uh, we begin to speak to that spirit to uh, leave my house, leave my mind, leave my life, uh, and we can begin to serve God. You know, as Christians, we have to come to a place where we're not going to allow the demonic to destroy and break down anymore. Look at our text, verse 18. And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And she came out that very hour. Now, don't get offended because I'm telling the truth here this morning. Some of you have been tormented uh, in your mind, your marriage, your life for years. Isn't it time to get annoyed? Isn't it time to get vexed uh, and turn, I cast you out. Uh, I'm not going to allow you to rob my marriage anymore. I'm not going to allow you to destroy my mind, uh, uh, destroy my life. I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm casting you out. Uh, that's what Paul, after many days, I'm like, why did it take many days? I'm not sure, but I mean, don't let it linger any further. I mean, if the devil's torment your mind, uh, you're like, cast it out. I'm not going any further with this. You know, the devil will fight you. That's why Christians have to be fighters. Listen, your stance in Christ will be challenged by hell and the demonic. He's not impressed that you're saved. Uh, uh, what impresses hell is that you fight for your salvation. Look at verse 19. But when her master saw their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them and to the marketplace, to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrate and said, These men, being Jews, they exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Uh, then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate tore off their clothes, commanding them to be beaten with rods. I know this is the extreme, but my point is, uh, when you make a stand... Uh, uh, I'm not going to be pushed around by hell any longer. Uh, I'm going to begin to pray for my marriage, my mind. My, my. There's going to be a fight here. You know, many people come to church. I used to be a fighter. They tell I used to be. I used to whip five guys one time. You know. Uh, well, well, prove it here. Prove it. You used to be a fighter. Amen. Stand up for your mind, your marriage, uh, your life, and begin to fight here. You know, to me, Christians just lay down. Every time a battle happens, every time their marriage gets assaulted or, or their mind, they just lay down. They quit fighting. No, stand up and fight. Three here receive prayers to place of victory. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. So Paul and Silas confronted the demonic. They fought it through. Uh, and now what they had originally prayed for, souls to be saved, is happening. Not only are the prisoners listening, the Bible said, but the head, uh, the head prison guard gets saved. He's a key convert. Uh, he gets saved because they, they were in prayer. Uh, they confronted the demonic, cast it out, broke the power, and now they're seeing everything they prayed for. Why won't Christians pray today? <laughs> I'm not saying you don't, but the, uh, it is a question that needs to be asked because some of you don't. <laughs> Secondly, let's look at God stepping in. 
our text shows us that God does step in. Aren't you grateful? That God doesn't just leave us to ourselves, uh, fight the devil yourself, fight them, I hope you win. Uh, no, God steps in. God helps us. We see this in our text. Uh, he steps in in the arena of our lives in times of trouble and fights for us. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there's a great earthquake, and all the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and every chain uh, were loose. Uh, too many Christians live life through, the, uh, through a prison. Too many Christians are chained and shackled. Uh, they have a little breakthrough, a little victory. Their marriage, their minds, their emotions are all, always in trouble. Some Christians, every time you talk to him uh, uh, or her, what, what's up? And they give this whole negative report. Yeah, you know, the devil beat me up. You know, I was doing good for two seconds, and the rest of the day, you know, the devil beat up my mind, my marriage, have no joy. Uh, why? They're in chains here. They're shackled. They're in prison. Uh, I mean, we're not supposed to live like that. As Christians, we're supposed to have a freedom, uh, a grace of God. God steps in uh, into our lives. You know, you need to have God moments. How many would like to have a God moment? You know, you can create your God moments. Matter of fact, you do create your God moments. God didn't just step in to step in, but we create a God moment. Look at our text here. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What Paul and Silas were saying when they were singing hymns, uh, we don't care what season of life we're in, what we're going through, we're going to praise God. Doesn't matter what I'm going through. Doesn't matter what I feel, what I'm uh, thinking. Uh, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to sing. And they're creating a God moment. Uh, they're creating an arena where God can step in and God can do a miracle. You know, God does not and will not step in when there's complaining, when there's jealousy, disobedience, rebellion, uh, he's not going to step into that mess. Listen about when there's faith, prayer, praise, he's going to step in. The Bible said they're singing and worshiping God, verse 26, suddenly there's a great earthquake and all the foundations of the prison were shaken immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loose. We need some God moments like that where God can step in uh, in every attitude, every Every struggle, I mean, it's broken, chains are broken. There's a freedom uh, in your marriage now. There's a freedom, as George and Michelle were saying, uh, we pray together now. There's a joy, a grace of God. Uh, I mean, we need these God moments. But listen, God is waiting for the moment it to be created. Two, will you create God's moment or God a moment? Where you push aside the anger, the bitterness, and the hatred, you can't say if you want a God moment. Uh, Pastor, if you only knew, you know, if you only knew what I'm going through, where I'm at, uh, if you want a God moment, all that has to be pushed aside. You can't carry that uh, in life and in prayer. If you only knew my struggles, my I'm not making light of them, but you can't have a God moment with that. Truth is, none of us has had as bad as Paul and Silas. I don't care how bad your moment is. Let's listen to theirs. Uh, they were dragged to the marketplace. Not nice. Probably by the hairs, the ears, uh, whatever. They can grab. 
They were brought to the magistrate, stripped, uh, probably naked, beaten and thrown in prison, uh, beaten with rods and thrown in prison. I ain't had that bad a day ever. Come on. And you ain't had that bad a day either. So if they can get by that and get over that, we, we ought to have no problems this morning. We're pretty comfy in America. I'm not making light of your issues, but I'm saying, if you want God to step in, you have to create a God moment. You know, if our text would have read, Paul and Silas were angry and demanded a, an apology, we would say yes and amen, right? Yeah, they do. Man, you beat them, threw them in prison, apologize to them. They didn't deserve that. Uh, and we would all say, you know, we agree with that, right? You know, when you stand your ground... You know, my husband owes me an apology. I'm not moving. I've seen it. Wives hold their, they're mad, they're bitter, unless he apologizes with roses and money, a new car, new house, whatever. I'm not going to cook him dinner or nothing. Come on. I've seen wives do the same thing. You, know, you can grit your teeth, stare me down, stay glued to your seat during the altar call, uh, I ain't going to the altar. That's okay, because this ain't for me. It's for you. Listen, I already had the victory. I have God moments all the time, amen. Uh, I'm trying to help you. I can feel it, though, this morning. <laughs> listen, this is for you. And listen, if we just create these moments, uh, God, I'm going to praise. I'm going to worship you anyway. You know what happens to inmates? I got a family member in my, in my family that, my nephew, he gets, I went to prison first time, 14 years old, boy's home. And he's there for a couple years, got out for a little bit, went back. So it means his whole life. He's 40 years old there, 39, 40, something like that. Uh, and his whole life has been in and out of prison. I mean, he'd go for five years, get out for a month, two months, and right back in. I talked to him, hey, you know, Corey, what's up, man? Why are you keeping? And he keeps going back to, well, the problem is they begin to love the cell. They begin to love the cell and the barbs because there's security there to them. Uh, uh, amen. When their time is up, you've read it, you've seen it, they go out and rob a store, go back in that old cell, that familiar cell. Yeah, I've seen Christians do this. They have a bad marriage. It's filled with hate, bitterness, uh, and... You know, like God does a miracle, but they always run back to that. I've seen people do that in church. And, uh, you know, when you get out, you got to live a new life. This is why praying and coming to church, being involved, uh, what God is doing is so important because you have to get a new beginning started here. Third, when God steps into your life, uh, it's not only... You that God is touching. Look at our scripture here. Suddenly, there's a great earthquake, and the foundation of the prison were shaken immediately. All the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison, asking uh, or waking from sleep uh, <clears throat> and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew a sword and about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, said, Do not do yourself no harms. We are all here. So Paul and Silas have a God moment, but here's hundreds of other people being touched. Think of how important that is this morning.
that we create God moments, that we're going to have worship, we're going to praise, uh, regardless what's going on. And when God steps in, not only is your marriage going to be touched, your life, but look at all these others. And listen, how many tens of thousands down through the time has this story touched? We're being touched by it this morning uh, uh, because God stepped in and now we're being fed this morning. But let's look lastly, times of refreshing. God brings in times and moments of refreshing to our lives. Aren't you thankful for that? Look at our text. They took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Immediately he and all of his family were baptized. <clears throat> now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Listen, in serving God, there are times of sacrifice given all. We all know that. Abraham, Genesis 22, remember he puts Isaac on the altar. This is his future. This is everything to him. But he lays it on the altar. God asks that he lays it on the altar. There's times of that. There's times in the Christian life, 2 Kings 4, uh, this widow is desperate. There's desperation times. Uh, you know the story, uh, but uh, Elisha tells you what to do. She does what the man of God says, gets a miracle, but there's times of that. There's times of hardship, Second Corinthians 4. Paul said, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed. There's times of that. We've all felt all of that, but there's also times of refreshing. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? The Bible in our text said, washed their stripes, brought them into this house, set food before them, and he rejoiced. Uh, there's times of refreshing, and God does that into every life as we serve God, as we go through all the other seasons. God makes sure there are times of refreshing. You know, refreshing gives you strength to carry on and to finish the task. Look at Matthew 26. You don't have to turn there, but days before Jesus going to be crucified. Now, Jesus has went through a lot. Remember, he's been in the garden. He's sweating tears, uh, asking God, help me. And, I mean, just the, just the demonic presence there. I, I've, I've been in prayer where I'm sweating because it's hot outside, but Jesus sweating blood. Listen, the intensity of life, everything, it is natural saying, no, I don't want to do this, but there's a spiritual battle. He's surrendering to the will of God the hardest moment, uh, and Jesus has just been at that moment. Matthew 26, days before he's crucified, it says, when Jesus was at Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him having an alabaster flask, a very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Listen, there's something supernatural about refreshing. Because look what happens now. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. It's almost like Jesus is saying, now I've been refreshed, I can finish the task. Now that I've been refreshed, I can go on and carry on and do the will of God. Now that I've been refreshed, and there's something supernatural about refreshing, amen, where we can just go on now and do the will of God. You know, when you take time out to refresh another believer, 
when someone's struggling, going through a difficult time, and you meet that need, when you refresh them and you take the load off their back, their shoulders, and you help them, God records that, and God says, I'm going to bless you. Mark 9, for everyone uh, or whosoever gives a cup of water to drink in my name, because he belongs to me, or surely I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. God watches that we refresh people. As we simply acts of kindness, let's touch, let's help, let's lift a burden, uh, God said, I'm going to reward you for that. You know, when you spend time with a new convert, when you do acts of kindness to those that need God, uh, uh, God said, oh, bless look at Matthew 25, verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, as surely as you, uh, as to you, as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. As we serve each other. You know, there's times of need, there's times of desperation. Uh, and as we serve Jesus, and I remember that. You know, third here, the reason it is so important to be faithful to church, we need refreshing. You listen, through sermons, we're challenged to create God moments. There's times where we come to church, and I don't know about you, there's not every service, but there's some. I just get refreshed. I'm in the prayer room, and I can just feel the refreshing of God as I'm contending or as I'm in a service, and the message is coming. I mean, there's just a refreshing. Or there's times, again, I say we're challenged to create that God moment, to get out of our feelings, to get out of the moment we're in and and create something God can step into. Paul and Silas went on to go to many other cities and places preaching Christ and seeing people saved. I wonder if this moment of refreshing gave them the strength to do that. Remember the jailer brings him in, feeds him, washes their shirt. I wonder if that refreshing gave them the strength to go to all the other cities and places and, sit, and that they went and preached uh, the gospel. That's the power of refreshing this morning. If you need refreshing, listen, create a moment right now with God. Forgive and let go. Let God step in supernaturally to your arena. Don't hold the grudges. Don't get, you know, uh, you know, me and my wife, I'll just use us. I wouldn't know whether people gets upset. Me and my wife. There's been times we've been sure we're mad at each other. And we leave the service frustrated and we go home and we should have just forgave each other. That way we could enjoy the service, could enjoy the grace of God. And now we've learned to do that. If we're fighting Sunday morning, that's usually when the fights happen. Come on. We don't have the kids anymore, so that don't rarely happen now. But we kid, kid, you know, getting the kids together, feeding them, and doing all the other stuff, it's frustration building up. 
Let it go before you come to church, right? Put the smile on, believe God, come and get refreshed. Let's bow our heads this morning. Let me close here. One, listen, prayer is a battlefield. It's not a hangout. I don't know any soldier 